Amen. Revelation chapter number 9. I'm going to try not to uh, review. All right. You know where we're at, don't you? You know where we've been. Uh, You can get the CDs if you don't. And uh, we'll have them this Wednesday's CDs. We will have for you Sunday. All right. Praise God. Revelation chapter 9. I tell you, we're getting into some stuff here in uh, this chapter. We are discussing the the trumpet judgments, and uh, we began last last week in chapter 8 and covered the first four trumpet judgments. And the last three, as we said, um, the, um, the angel said in Revelation 8 and 13, there was an angel flying through the midst of heaven and was saying with a loud vo- voice, Woe! Woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the th- the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So these last three trumpets are the three woes that are given there in verse thirty-one, and they are they are worse judgments, and things continually seem to get a little bit worse. As we go on through these judgments toward the ending, uh, the midpoint and the ending of the tribulation period. So um, let's look here in, in Revelation chapter 9. You know, when somebody goes through a bad situation, goes through something that's just very traumatic in their life and very bad in their life, they sometimes refer to that as just being a literal, it was just a hell on earth. Have you ever heard that statement? And uh, we've all been through some bad times, but there's nothing that anybody has ever went through that can compare to what is coming on the earth during the tribulation period. Jesus himself said that it would be tribulation that would be so bad it would be worse than anything that had ever been or ever will be. So when we study these chapters, we know that, um, that it's going to be a time that is worse than we can ever imagine. And it's a, a, a time such as nobody has ever seen before. It will be a time so bad that heaven beca- becomes silent over the horror and the threefold woe that is given to the inhabitants of the earth. So in verses 1 through 12 of this ninth chapter, it covers that first woe or that fifth trumpet angel that sounds. And in chapter 9 here of Revelation, we literally see that it will be, there will literally be a time of hell on earth because as we study this chapter and see what takes place, uh, the powers of darkness Demon spirits, uh, fallen angels are unleashed on the earth in in, in a measure that never has been. So in Revelation chapter 9, verse number 1, it says this, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star 
fallen from heaven to the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Here in this first verse, I want us to look at that for a moment because John here saw a star fallen from heaven. Now, if you'll notice that this star, the star that he saw, it, it's in the past tense. It has already fallen. He didn't see, John didn't see it falling, but it had already fallen. The New Living Translation says it this way, I saw a star that had fallen to the earth from the sky. So it's evident that what John saw here in Revelation chapter 9 and 1 had already taken place and there's an event that already happened. And this star is not a star like you would, you know, not a star that twinkles in the sky. But this star here refers to a person rather than a literal star because there are personal pronouns that are used of this star. It doesn't refer to the star as being an it, but it refers to, to this star as him. It says, to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. In verse number 2, it says that he took the key and he opened that bottomless pit. So we know that uh, he's talking about uh, a, a, an, a person, a personality. There's, there's personal pronouns used for him. So uh, he's given a key, and a key always represents authority or permission that's been granted. So who do you think this, this is that has fallen from heaven? that receives this permission to open this bottomless pit. The star that's referred to here is none other than Satan. And uh, when we think of stars, you know, we think of somebody that's a celebrity or somebody that's famous. You know, we have movie stars and we have rock stars and we have, you know, sports stars, people that are famous, somebody that's a celebrity. Well, you know, I think Satan's more infamous, really, but he's, he is kind of, he is known in three worlds, heaven, earth, and hell, and um, he's, he is well, pretty well known. But throughout the Bible, the Bible uses that terminology for angels, as we found out in the first chapter of Revelation. We saw where that uh, the pastors are the angels that, that uh, are the pastors of the churches of Revelation were stars in the right hand of Jesus. So this star is a person by the name of Satan, and in a sense, we, we look at him and we, we understand a little bit about him, but it says that he, has, he had fallen. His name, as we know it, we know him as Satan, but before he became Satan, his name was Lucifer. And the word Lucifer, the name Lucifer, what does it mean? It means light bearer or it means shining one. So we understand and I think we're all familiar with uh, the fact that Satan, uh, he had a great fall. His fall took place in the past and uh, we don't know exactly when, but sometime in the dateless past, Satan fell from the lofty place that God had created him and placed him. And there was someone else that saw Satan fall when 
when Jesus was talking to the 70, when the 70 had returned from um, their uh, revival evangelistic campaign, and they came rejoicing about how that the demons were subject to them through the name of Jesus. And Jesus said to them in Luke 10 and 18, He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So we understand that this angel or this star is Lucifer. It is Satan. He was that highly exalted archangel, but he wasn't content to be with what God had created him to be. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to overthrow God. And the scripture said that pride was found in his heart. The very first sin. And that's why God hates pride so much. Is because the very first sin that originated and started all the mess that we see today was that sin of pride. When Satan exalted himself and, and, and you can read about it if you want to jot these scriptures down and go to them and read and Isaiah 14, 12 through 17 and Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19 talks about the fall of Lucifer and how that he said, I will exalt myself above the stars of heaven, I, above the clouds of heaven. I will exalt myself. I will be like the Most High. And so it was through his pride. He, 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 he wanted to overthrow God. So, the, of course, the rebellion of Satan against God was unsuccessful, and he was cast out of heaven. But here we see him. He has already fallen, and Satan is given the key, or a key to the bottomless pit, and he's given permission, he's given authority or permission to unlock a terrible prison and unleash a terrible plague upon the earth. Now, the bottomless pit is the abyss, is what it's known as. It's a place in the underworld. There are several compartments in the heart of the earth, in the underworld. We think of hell, you know, just Hades, hell being there, and that is one compartment. Hades was a, compa there's a, comp was a compartment or is a compartment. Uh, for the wicked dead, when those who are unsaved die, their spirits immediately go into that place of torment called hell. There was another compartment next to it known as paradise where the righteous went before the cross, before the resurrection. And that compartment is empty today. But there are some other compartments there also in the underworld. There's Tartarus where there is a prison for some angels that had, fall, had sinned in a special way, in a different way uh, during the time of Noah. And then there's this place called the Abyss. And every time the abyss is mentioned uh, or this bottomless pit is mentioned or found in Scripture, it's associated with demonic forces. It's a place of detention. Now, this bottomless pit is a place of detention of wicked spirits, wicked angels, and demon spirits. And not all of them are there, but there are, there are many that are there. And it's also the place where the devil himself, Satan himself, is going to be bound and placed there for a, a, a thousand years during the reign of Christ on earth. 
But when we look at this abyss, this bottomless pit, it's a, it's a place of detention for the worst of the worst of demon spirits. Uh, you know, when Jesus cast the, the demons out of the maniac of, at Gadara, you remember that story, and Jesus asked him, what is your name? And what did he say? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And when Jesus went to cast those demons out, in Luke chapter 8 and 31, he cast those. They begged, those demon spirits begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Don't, don't send us into the pit or to the abyss. So they didn't want to go there. So Jesus he permitted them then to be uh, to go into some swine, and you know that story. But the abyss is a place, the bottomless pit is a place where the worst of the worst of demon spirits, fallen angels, are contained. And so verse number 2, we see in verse 1, this Satan, he has fallen, he has given the key to this bottomless pit. And verse 2 says that he opens the bottomless pit. Now, this is actually going to take place. As we know, we're, we're, in the, we're in the tribulation period after the rapture. He's opening the bottomless pit. And the Bible says in verse 2 that when he opened the bottomless pit, that smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. So here the pit is open. This abyss is open. And what is in this pit of the abyss erupts from that, polluting the air. Now, um, we, it says that smoke, notice that smoke arose out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace so great that the sun and the air was darkened because of the smoke of the pit. So we know that this abyss is also a place of fire, though not the same place as Sheol, Hades, Gehenna or the lake of fire, okay? But there's smoke that comes out. And this, this is a description. As, as, as he releases, opens this pit, the sun is darkened, the pit is open, it erupts and pollutes the air, and this is the description of evil spirits that come out of the pit that had been confined but now are being released to torment those who are on the earth. Notice in verse number 3, when out of the smoke, then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And to them, to these locusts, was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. So notice this here, what we read here in verse 3 is a description of those evil spirits that come forth out of this pit. They have been confined, but now they are released onto the earth. Now stop and think about this just for a moment. 
When this, now this is going to actually happen and actually take place. We're talking about a time when the earth is going to literally be invaded by hell itself. Now we are, we know there are demon spirits today. People are influenced by demon spirits today. I, I was watching the news today and they were showing all the mess that's going on in Chicago. The lawlessness, the loot. And, and all of the, the mayhem that's going on even in the area of the loop and places, you know, that there was never lawlessness and problems before and it's just completely out of hand. That's, that's, that's where we're at now. You ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. This, what we see today is romper room compared to what's going to take place when these demon spirits are unleashed upon the earth. Can you imagine what will happen when the worst demons that presently are changed or chained are suddenly turned loose and released on the earth. I mean if you took every prison in this nation and opened up every prison door, and I think there's people in, in leadership wants to do that. Opened up every prison door, let all the inmates out that are in there. It would be, that would be romper room compared to what's going to happen when these demons are free. There's a lot of people today that don't believe in demon spirits. They don't believe in, 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 in that. They think we're crazy for believing in that. But can I tell you something? Demon spirits are real. Fallen angels are real. Paul said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual wickedness. In high places. Now, I'm not going to get into the difference. I believe, and, and, and see, there's a lot of people that, that believe that fallen angels that fell with Lucifer are the demons. But there's a difference, I believe, in fallen angels and demon spirits. We don't have time to get into that, but, uh, but there are going to be unleashed demon spirits and fallen angels that will, that will just produce mayhem on this earth. Demons are at work now. Demon spirits are working. Fallen angels are working, causing people to experience depression and do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. Fear, various torments all come through the powers of darkness. We're living in a fallen world. The Bible says in 1 John that the whole world, this whole world, John said, lies in wickedness. Satan himself is the God of this world. But there's a church here. There's a church in this earth. There's born again, blood washed, spirit filled believers born again. The church, the blood bought church, spirit filled church in this earth that is right now a restraining force. But when this church is taken out and the saints are removed and the salt and the light is no longer here. This is what's going to take place. Hell will be opened up and eruption of evil, wicked demon spirits will flood this earth. Amen. That's not going to be a happy time. Can I get an amen? 
So the judgment involved here in the fifth trumpet is, is an increase in demonic and satanic oppression upon people. Do you get that? An increase. There's, there's such a demonic oppression and power. I believe the powers of darkness have been increased just in these last days. Things are not like... In the world today, things are not like they were when I was a kid and growing up. Can you agree with that? Y'all can say, you know, you, you can look back and see your life. And, and when, when I was growing up, you know, uh, as, as a kid in the, in the 60s and the 70s, well, you know, things were, were not like they are today. It's much worse than that. I believe there's been a, 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 an increase in demonic, um, in demonic activity and demonic oppression. But this fifth trumpet sounding and and. Satan giving the permission to unlock that bottomless pit, which is what he would love to do today, but he can't. He don't have the key today. Come on, somebody. But when he gets that key and opens that 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 portal to that abyss and those demons are released, there will be a vast increase, demonic and so satanic oppression that will come upon this earth. Now listen to me. Verse 3 gives, and I read this verse, but let me, let me read this again. It gives, it gives to us the description of these demons. Now listen to it. Verse 3, it says, Then out of the smoke, as the abyss is opened up, there's a great smoke that comes out. It darkens the sun and the stars. And out of the smoke, uh, there were locusts. Notice this, locusts came upon the earth. And to them, to these locusts, was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, this is very interesting. I want you to notice this, these these two verses of Scripture. John sees locusts coming out of the smoke uh, likened unto scorpions. By the description that is given here by John, we do know one thing. These are not ordinary natural locusts. Are you with me? They are, they are not natural locusts, but what they are is a representation of these hordes of demons that are loosed upon the earth. Now, you know, in the Old Testament, you can read, you know, through the Old Testament and in the book of Exodus. You know, we talked last week about some of the plagues of Exodus that... Um, uh, that that were um, in in that time in Egypt, and uh, that will be during the tribulation. Well, there was locusts also that God sent to Egypt that destroyed their vegetation, destroyed their crops. When you read Joel chapter one, it talks about various different locusts that God sent upon Israel because they were in sin, and God sent armies of locusts to literally destroy everything 
Their crops were gone. Their vineyards were gone. Everything was gone because of these locusts. There was no relief from them. So God used locusts in the Old Testament time on several occasions uh, as a divine judgment against people. But locusts could quickly strip the land of every green leaf. They could strip the land of every sprout, of all vegetation, and leave the land completely barren for, uh, of food. But these locusts, and listen again, these are not natural locusts. This is why we know that they are spiritual locusts because according to these verses, these locusts are not allowed to touch any plant life. They're not allowed to touch touch any vegetation. They're not allowed to touch any tree. So they're not natural locusts. But what they are told to do, they are to torment people and they will have, they will sting with the sting of a scorpion. Now normal, natural locusts don't do that. Is everybody here? Everyone will be subject, now listen, according to what John saw and what he said in the passage, that everyone will be subject to the attacks of these, of these demon locusts, except for those who have the seal of God in their forehead. Those who have the seal of God will not be affected, but they will be protect, protected. Now, who are those that have the seal of God? The 144,000 that we read about and talked about in chapter number 7, 144,000 Jews that were sealed by God to be evangelists that are preaching the gospel during the tribulation. But also, I believe not just those 144,000 are sealed. I also believe that this would include all of those that, uh, who up to this time have accepted Christ during the tribulation. Those who have, who have heard the preaching of the 144,000 given their life. You know, we talked about that great multitude that John saw under the altar that were martyrs that had gotten saved during the tribulation. Well, they will be a part of that group as well that are protected. The Bible tells us, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said in 2 Timothy 2.19, nevertheless the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. So when we are His, we have the seal of God. When we get born again according to Ephesians 1.13.14 that believers who are born again are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise unto the day of redemption. So I believe those that, that have gotten saved during the tribulation will be also sealed as the 144,000 are sealed and um, and they will be spared and they will be protected from this attack of these uh, demon spirits. But the torment of these demons, according to what the scripture says, will be on those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who accept Christ will be persecuted, killed by the Antichrist, but they will be protected from these demon spirits, from these locusts. All right? Are you with me? Verse number 5. I know this is not shouting ground, okay? But verse number 5. Here it gives us some insight about what these these hordes of demons will be allowed to do and what they, be, what they will be given authority to do. 
Verse number 5 says that they were not, they were not given authority to kill men. Notice that. They were not given authority to kill, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, look at verse 6. This is horrible. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The torment of these demons is compared to a scorpion sting, which I've never been stung by one, but what I've read and what they say, it is very, very painful, especially the scorpions. Of course, there are different kinds, but the scorpions in the Middle East can be deadly as well, but very very excruciating pain at that sting of a scorpion and brings so much suffering. It's nothing like being stung by a wasp or a yellow jacket. That's bad enough. Amen. I don't like that either. But to be stung by a scorpion has, it brings excruciating pain. So these, these demon locusts with the sting of a scorpion in their tail have authority that they cannot kill men and women, but they torment them for five months. They will, they will inflict very much pain, and the pain that these people during this time will experience will be unimaginable. There won't be anything that will relieve the torment or the pain that comes from the affliction of these demons. There won't be any pills. There won't be any potions. There won't be any pain-killing drugs. Nothing will deaden the pain. There will be no relief. How do you know that? Because people will be suffering so bad, so bad, that the Scripture says that they will beg to die. They will, they will, they will... They will pray to die, beg to die. They will seek death. It says in verse number 6 that they will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. You know, today people are fleeing death. We do everything that we can to live. We go to the doctors and go to the hospitals and take care of ourselves and do all that we can to live. But at this time, people will 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 be begging to die die that their life will leave them because of the suffering and the torment that will be caused by these demons. And through this five-month period, five-month period, death will take a holiday for five months while men endure the suffering from these demon spirits. They are left to face this torment without any way of escape whatsoever. I've read some uh, some different preachers and commentaries and things where some feel that they will even try to take their own lives at this particular time and commit suicide, but they won't even be able to do that. And it's very possible because the Scripture says they will seek death, they will desire death, and will not find it, but death will flee from them. So throughout that entirety of that five months as they're under the torment of these demon spirits, they will suffer 
suffer excruciatingly. I don't know how. I, I, I just wonder. I don't know how the CDC and the WHO and Fauci, if he's still around, or whoever's in that place. I think he's retiring. But I don't know how they are going to explain all of this. How do you think they will explain all of it? Amen. Because this, li- look, listen. What's getting ready to take place here in the tribulation under this under this fifth trumpet is not coming out of the laboratory in Wuhan. It's not coming, you know, it's not coming from China. It's coming from the pits of, directly straight from the pits of hell. And there's, there, it will be such an, an intense suffering on millions. What this is going to be, ladies and gentlemen, is not a virus, it, but it's demon spirits from the, the abyss. And there won't be a vaccine. Though, you know, they may have one, but there's not going to be a vaccine that will work against this. Of course, there wasn't one that worked against COVID either. But there won't be a vaccine seen that works against this there won't be anything that will bring relief from any of their suffering now I don't I don't stand up here tonight and talk about these things it's difficult to talk about it's difficult to teach and uh, it, it is because it's not something pleasant it's not something that we, that we are saying, well, boy, that's good. They just all deserve that. I can't wait till they get what they deserve. And God's not pleased with this either, but it's something that comes. It's the judgment of God upon a Christ-rejecting world. That's why, you know, you know that's why I say that that's, this is part of the wrath of God that is going to be poured out on this earth during the time of the tribulation. This wrath is not for His people, thank Thank God we, the church of Christ, the bride of Christ, will be out of here. Now let's look here at verse number 7. Verse number 7 gives a description of these locusts, these demon locusts. It says, John saw them, and he said the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. I was looking on the Internet today and uh, some images of what people thought, painted, draw, uh, have drawn, or what they thought these locusts looked like. And I found some pictures that were just, man, I told Vicky, I said, I wish, to, I'm, not, I'm not tech savvy enough to know how to get those pictures and put them on something to put them up there. But it would have been good if you could have seen them tonight. It would help you to understand a little bit about what John saw. But the shape of the locusts, he said, was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like they had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lions' teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. These are not normal locusts, right? They have breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running unto battle. They had, they had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, to hurt men five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. So look at this. 
John gives this description of these demon spirits. If you could see, he was allowed to see into the spirit world, into the, in this vision, into the spirit realm, and see these demon spirits. These demon spirits are invisible, but if they could be seen, this is what they would look like. John said they look like horses prepared to battle. They resemble mighty war horses prepared for battle, straining at the bit, ready to go, ready to, ready to get into battle, into the fight. He said they had golden crowns or like golden crowns upon their heads. They came to the earth as conquerors, I believe is what that represents. There's no medicine or act of science that can conquer them. They're kind of invincible. The faces of these, of these locusts, were the, they had the faces of men. This speaks of intelligence. They are intelligent beings. And fallen angels and demon spirits are intelligent beings. They are real. Said they had the faces like the faces of men, but hair like men like women. They were attracted attractive to people, and demon spirits are. They have seduction and they have a seductive charm. They had teeth like lion, like a lion. Their bite was infectious and painful. They had breastplates of iron. They were immune to destruction and immune to human suffering. They care not how much suffering they bring to humanity, and they are not able to be overcome or defeated by the people that they are inflicting pain on. Said that they have wings that sound like chariots, which implies swiftness and speed and that there can be no escape from them and no evading their attacks. The stings are in their tails, which is capability to inflict severe pain, to torment, and, and, and that's their only objective is to torment people for five months. But then he said this, that they have a king over them. They, they are organized, they are united in their attacks upon humanity, and they have a king over them. This is another reason we know these are not just normal, natural locusts, because in Proverbs, Proverbs 30 and 27, uh, Solomon said that the locusts are united, but they, ha- they have no king over them. This group of locusts has a king, and the king that is over them, that unites them, and that leads them, the Bible says is the angel of the bottomless pit. His name is Abaddon, Hebrew name and Greek name, Abaddon and Apollyon, and both those names mean one thing, and they mean destroyer. Destroyer. This angel, this angel from the bottomless pit, will lead these demon spirits to destroy and to, you know, and that's what Satan came to do, isn't it? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. And the only protection against these demons will be to know Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. The only protection against the powers of darkness and against, there you go. Well, looky there. Now, she, she got it. There's, there's the sheet. See, I, sh- I know Vicki said, you ought to text Katie and see if she can do that for you. All right. That's an artist's uh, pic- 
picture and idea about what these demon locusts will look like. Face of a man, hair like women, crown of gold, teeth like a lion, and uh, breastplates of iron, scorpion sting, something of that nature. But there's only one thing that can protect you and I now right today from the demon spirits that are in this world today. And that is being in Christ and being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are protected. Can I get an amen? I said we are protected. We're fighting a warfare. We're in a battle against the enemy. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. You know what? As believers, you don't have to fear demon spirits. You don't have to be afraid of Satan himself or fallen angels. You have power that's been given to you through Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You've got the full armor of God. And and greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world today. And thank God. I wouldn't want to have to face that or any other demon spirits that are in this world today without knowing full well that I am covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, he says, here these destroyers, these demons are the destroyers of the souls of men and they only come to bring hurt and harm. Five months of this horror qualifies us to say this is the first woe. This is the first woe. So you see how things get progressively worse. Verse 12, he says, One woe has passed. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Verse 13, let's look at this sixth trumpet, and then we will be gone. We'll be done. The sixth trumpet or the se- and the second woe. Verse 13, Then the angel, the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound in the great Euphrates River. And we all, you know where the Euphrates River is. It's mentioned all through the Bible. It was one of the rivers that actually flowed from the Garden of Eden. So it's in the area of Babylon. I think it begins in Turkey, flows down through, uh, uh, through Iraq and empties out into the Persian Gulf. But um, the Euphrates River, there are four. According to this scripture, there are four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Verse 15, so the four angels who had been prepared, who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released, notice this, to kill a third of mankind. Now these these demon locusts that have been released under the fifth trumpet are tormenting Men and women for five months, they, they pray to die and can't. But now these, there are four angels that are getting ready to be released from the Euphrates River. And they are going to be released to do something else, to kill a third of mankind. So, so here John hears this voice from the golden altar that instructs this sixth angel to release these four angels that are bound in the Euphrates. Now, these are four fallen angels. 
We read a few weeks ago about four angels that were holding the four winds. In the seventh chapter, I believe, the seventh chapter of Revelation, four angels that were on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds. These are not the same angels. Those angels were godly angels. They were good angels. They were holding back the judgment for a period of time until the 144,000 could be sealed with the seal of God. These four angels are four angels evil, fallen evil angels. How do you know that? Because good angels are not bound. Good angels are not bound. God's holy angels are not bound. These angels have been bound in and are very right tonight. These angels are bound in the Euphrates River. And here we find they are loosed for a particular for a particular uh, job that they must do, they are loose to execute this judgment but are prevented from doing it until, notice this, until the exact time that God has set for them to do it. Did you notice that? It said that they are prepared, they are prepared, they've been prepared, verse 15, for the, the hour and the day and the month, and the year. So they've been prepared for a certain time. Now somebody said, well, this is, this is an hour, day, month, and a year. That's how long that they are going to unleash this judgment upon the earth. But that's, it's not, this is not talking about the duration of their activity, but it's talking about the fact that this judgment is going to come exactly at the hour and the time that God has appointed it to come. There is a set day. The appointed hour occurring at the appointed day in the appointed month at the appointed year. The time schedule when this is going to happen has already been determined by God. I don't know when it is. You don't know when it is. Nobody else does. But God knows when it is. And it will take place at God's appointed time. God's in control of these judgments. Jesus Christ is the one that loosed the seals. Jesus Christ is the voice that was that was that they, that John heard from before the golden altar that is speaking to these angels and telling them to sound and what is going to be done. They are released. These four angels are released for the purpose of doing what? To kill a third part of men. Now this, ladies and gentlemen, listen. This is going to be one of the most devastating judgments that we find in the book of Revelation. Under the fourth seal, if you remember some weeks back, under the fourth seal, we found that, that a fourth one-fourth, a quarter of the world, the earth's population was killed under that fourth seal. But here, under this trumpet judgment, under this second woe, another one-third of the earth's population is going to die. These two judgments alone are going to account for a half of the world's population. Through war, that fourth seal we seen, you know, uh, back in Revelation 6, it was through war, famine, pestilence, death, and those things that 
that, that, a, that a fourth of the population was killed. But under this judgment, another third will die. So you're talking about, you're talking about uh, a minimum of 4 billion people. The earth's population right now are coming up. They're predicting here, I think it's, they said by November. It was either September or November. I don't remember. But I looked at it here a while back. But that it would, that it would reach right at 8 billion. So for a half, for a half of the population to die is, you know, 4 billion people. Nobody's ever seen anything like that. We have not seen anybody, and, and, and not never since, listen, never since the days of Noah has such a great proportion of the earth's population come under such a judgment from God. But Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah, so would it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Is that what he said? And so there will be a tremendous, horrendous judgment that will come where another third of the population will die. Great number. Numbers of people will die. That's why Jesus said, that's why Jesus said when he was talking about the tribulation period in, in Matthew chapter 24, he said, except those days. He talked about it would be great tribulation such as the world never seen. And he said, except those days be shortened. No flesh would be saved. He's not talking about saved to being born again. He's talking about except those days of the tribulation, if they're not shortened, they wouldn't be one person alive. There would be total extermination and annihilation of every person on the face of the earth unless the days are shortened. But then Jesus didn't stop there. He said, but for the elect's sake... Those days shall be shortened. In other words, God will bring an end to it before everybody is annihilated. The mercy of God. The mercy of God. So another third will die. I had a question. I think it was Bob sent me a, a text last Wednesday night, you know, because we had talked about. We had talked about last Wednesday night, a third of the waters uh, turn into blood, and a third of this, and a third of that. And here's another third, a third of the population, a third of men will die. And Bob wanted to know why, and, and I didn't, you know, really take time to even mention it. But um, uh, you don't think about it much, but you wonder, why is it a third, a third, a third, a third, a third? And, um, and, and here's my thinking on it. It's God is saying, the Word of God is telling us here, it's a third. It's not everybody. It's not all. It wasn't all the water turned to blood. It wasn't all the drink. It wasn't all the waters, you know, that were uh, and what we talked about last week. It was just a third here and a third there. So it was still the still the mercy of God is still intermingled with these judgments. God could wipe out everybody if He wanted to here in this in these judgments, but He said He's not. There's going to be those that will be spared. So look at verse, we're going to get through this, okay? Verse 16, now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. So what do you got here? You've got, you've got, a, you've got four angels released that are bound in the Euphrates. They've been prepared for this particular day. They're released to kill a third of mankind, and they are... They are, these four angels are leading an, an army. They are leading an army of 200 million, an army of horsemen that were 200 million. And he said, I heard the number of them. John said, I didn't have to count them. I was told there was 200 million in this army. 
And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery, of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of the mouth, out of their mouth came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. Now, that's some just heavy stuff. But these four angels are leading an army of 200 million. This was actually the total of the population of the world pretty much in John's day. But here is an army that's going to come forth of 200 million. Now, here's the question, and there's much debate on this. Is this army a human army? Is this army a demonic army? And there are two views to this passage. There are different views and different teachings on this. I'm going to give you what they are, and then I'm going to tell you what I think about it, okay? And you can just figure it out for yourself, all right? <laughs> it's kind of like the, the timing of the rapture. We have so many different views of people when the rapture is going to take place. There you go, Katie. Thank you. There's, there's, the, there's this army, and there's the description of those horses that, uh, that we've read about here. But here's the two views. There are some that believe that this will be a, a literal human army that will come from the east. Many are teaching and preaching and, and saying that this is going to be China, an army, a 200 million man army from China that will come from the east. Uh, others teach that this this is, is just, it's an invisible demonic army. Now, you know, Time Magazine, they had an article in 1965, May of 1965, where China back then boasted that they could field a 200 million man army. Somebody that I listened to today said that in, that in 2000 that uh, China had an, an army of, of one, uh, well, it was almost, it was, it was 1.9 something billion so they were right at 200 billion and I don't know if that's so or not you can't believe anything that comes out of China are you hearing me Amen. So I don't know if they've got two hundred if they've got two hundred million soldiers now. I don't know, but uh, I, I I guess either one of these is possible. You you know it could be. It's possible. We'll see. You know we'll be watching from heaven. I guess. But but um, there could be a two hundred million man army come from China uh, that could be directed by these these four angels. Um, but either one is possible. But here's the thing. I really don't see in Bible prophecy and in the Scriptures, I do not see China as a major player in Bible prophecy. I Just as in the same way, I do not see the United States as a major player in Bible prophecy. I don't know if we're going to blow one another up or what's going to happen, but I don't see either one of those as being superpowers or major players in that particular time. So, you know, I'm 
I'm not going to argue the fact, is this a 200 million man army from China? Uh, I believe myself that this is a demonic army of 200 million that are released on the earth and that, that they are supernatural forces, that they are the evil opposite of what was seen by Elisha the prophet when he saw the, the horses and chariots of fire. You remember that at Dothan when he was surrounded by the Syrian army and, 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 and his um, servant got all upset and said, what are we going to do? And he said, there's more with us than there is with them. You remember that? And he said, well, it doesn't look like it. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open this young man's eyes. And when his eyes were opened to see in the spirit realm, the mountains all around Elijah was filled with angelic horses and chariots of fire. There are angelic chariots of fire. There's horses of fire on the good side. Are you listening to me? There was a chariot and horses of fire that came down and swooped Elijah and took him up to heaven. Spiritual horses and chariots of fire. And so just as there is that on the good side, there is that on the evil side. I believe that's what we're seeing here. An invisible army of demons and fallen angels. This will be the army that the four fallen angels will command. An army such as the world has never has never experienced before. 200 million demonic spirits loosed on the earth. These fallen angels and demons are coming forth not just to torment, but they're coming forth to take the lives of a third of the population of the earth. Amen? They will possess men. They will bring lawlessness. They will bring destruction. And the riders of these, uh, the riders here of these, of these horses and chariots will have breastplates. Again, speaking of the fact that they're indestructible and unstoppable. The horses' heads are like lions. Amen. Do you see that? The horses' heads are like lions. They're very ferocious and fierce and cruel. They have mouths that spit fire and smoke and brimstone. That, and, and there's been those that say, well, you know, this, this is all talking about they're describing modern weapons and warfare and that could be maybe when John saw them spitting fire and brimstone and smoke coming out of their mouths you know that was that was, he didn't know anything about the modern weaponry and warfare and the weapons that we have today and that could be but it will because am I saying there's not going to be a war I'm not saying that at all but if there is it will be caused by these 200 million demon spirits that are going to be unleashed this slaughter is being massive mastermind by evil demonic forces. Could this be a picture uh, uh, with the fire, the brimstone, the sulfur, the smoke, all of that? Could that be a picture of nuclear weapons being used in a battle? It, it very well could be, possibly could be, to take the lives of that many people. But power is in their mouth, or uh, that power in the mouth, the head and the tails, serpent-like tails that symbolize poisonous strikes and deadly wounds. A third are going to be killed. This is just almost too much for us to be able to grasp and to comprehend. They are the ones that are going to cause these plagues. Now, let me, let me, let me just mention something to you. And we'll be closing, all right? God said here that these are going to be plagues. Look at verse 18. It says, 
by these plagues a third of mankind was killed. It didn't say, it said by these plagues, the fire, the smoke, the brimstone that came out of their mouths. Verse 20 says, but the rest of mankind was not, uh, who were not killed by these plagues. So, I don't know. Is it warfare? Is it plagues? Is it both? We know there's going to be plagues. There's going to be epidemics, diseases, misfortunes, as well as armies that are going to take the lives of a third of the people. After all this devastation, after all that we see taking place, you would would think, okay, that's enough, right? That's enough. Everybody's going to get saved now. Huh? Everybody's going to be on their knees in repentance now. They're going to be crying out to God for mercy, but you know what? That's not the case. Verse number 20, look what it says. After all of this, we've seen the unleashing of demon locusts, tormenting men five months. They're praying to die in cank. We've seen the unleashing of these four angels from the Euphrates on, these, on these, uh, this 200 million demonic army that goes through killing, killing and slaughtering a third of the population. Surely enough's enough. People are going to turn to God and say, God, have mercy. But verse 20 says this, But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons. And idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent. Verse 21. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immoralities or their thefts. That word sorceries, by the way, doesn't mean some of the translations translate that witchcraft. But that word sorceries there in verse 21 is the Greek word pharmakia, where we get our word, our English word pharmacy. And, and the footnote in my Bible says for sorceries, it gives the word drugs. So they did not repent of their murders, of their drugs, of their sexual immorality, or of their thefts. They have the option, ladies and gentlemen, to turn to the Lord and turn to, for him, to Him for forgiveness, but they refuse. Twelve times in the book of Revelation, the word repent is used twelve times. More than any other book in the New Testament, the word repent is used in the book of Revelation. But nevertheless, in, in, in spite of all that's happening, people are still hardening their hearts, still refusing to repent. Still blaspheming God. So what's he going to do? God then will do what? He's going to turn up the heat just a little bit hotter. All right? You don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. You want to miss all of this. See, this would not be comforting. When Paul talked about the rapture, he said, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I, if I'm telling you we got to go through this, that ain't much comfort, right? That ain't any comfort at all. But praise God, praise God, the church, those who are saved, those who know Christ are going to be taken out of here before all of this takes place. You don't want to miss the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church. You don't want to miss that. You want to be ready. Amen. We need to pray for our family, our friends, our loved ones that are not ready, that they will escape, that they will be made right. Jesus said this, and then I'll close. 
Luke 21, 36. When he's talking about the tribulation in Luke 21, he said, Watch ye and pray always that you may be found worthy to escape, to escape. Not to be kept through it, but to escape the things that are coming on this world and to stand before the Son of Man. 